0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Today in Space. This is episode 338. We are in Florida, just closing out a vacation here. It's been a great week. The weather was perfect, but I struck out again in Florida for rocket launches. Uh we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm gonna talk about a little bit about the theme parks. We went to Galaxy's Edge for the first time. We went to Harry Potter World for the first time. I'll just give you my quick thoughts on that because it's fresh, and we'll also just talk about a thought from an engineer, and this week's thought is just about what I've learned about sharing my astrophotos with our telescope, the Vaonis, Vespera, and how it's really changed how I've learned and how I communicate with people. It's the perfect device for us for sharing content here on Today in Space and doing it rapidly. So, yeah, let's dive in, folks. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive into Today in Space. All right, folks, a little bit of business real quick. As always, you can follow us online, Today in Space, on TikTok, Today in Space pod, on Instagram and Twitter, or X. Uh, Although I will say if you are posting on X, it's still a tweet. It's not an X, on X. That's weird. Regardless, you can follow us there, Today in Space Podcast on Facebook. And you can always email us at Podcast at gmail.com if you have any topics you'd like us to cover on the episode. Or if you just want to hit us up and let us know, give us some feedback about the show, let us know what we're doing. Well, and if you have any questions you want us to ask here and answer here on the podcast, Today Space Podcast at gmail.com. And then... Of course, make sure to check out our free Spotify playlist, The Space Mix. It's a collection of a whole bunch of music all about space. And more specifically, it's a jam playlist. It's there if you're going to stargaze. It's there if you're waiting for a rocket launch or a spacecraft landing or like recently with Intuitive Machines, a moon landing, which we will have many more here in the future. But it's called The Space Mix. It's on Spotify. Like it, add it to your library. And let us know if there's any song on there that we should add, because we're always adding new stuff. And we always want to hear from you if there's a new song we haven't heard of. It's got great classics, and a lot of artists you probably have never heard of. So go check it out the space mix on Spotify. All right, folks, now that we got a little bit of time here, let's recap what uh, we did here on this vacation. It was a it was a great week. It's the first time I've taken a week long vacation in a very long time that wasn't a wedding that we were going to. Uh, So it was really, really nice. You know, I wouldn't say that we're into hustle culture here, but we definitely do appreciate working hard, especially when the mission and the purpose is good. For us here at Today in Space, we're spreading love, we're spreading science. In My day job, I'm helping others with 3D printing equipment and making sure that they're successful, and that their machines are working and we figure out what's going on. And then we also have our 3d printing lab here at AG3D, where we bring people's ideas into reality with our 3d printers in our lab. But for this week, we got to take a break, and just relax. And it was the first time I had been to Disney or really any theme park in over 20 years, which is crazy. I can't even believe when I was thinking about how long it had been. But I got to see Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios park and that was a uh, really great. We saw we went to Universal, we went to Harry Potter World. And what's really amazing about both of those, you know, I'm I'm in this phase now where I'm really focusing in on brand and and telling stories. And both of those parks, obviously Disney is very well known for their storytelling and their branding, and you could see it everywhere, even in the town uh, nearby in Celebration, like literally all the fonts, unless it was a, a, you know, like a McDonald's, all the fonts were a slight Disney font. And for the parks, what Galaxy's Edge and Harry Potter World both did really well was It was a total immersive experience of just living in that world. Granted, you know, I I am 34 years old. So some of that stuff is not really tailored for me, but I had a blast. We had a blast, uh, me and my partner. And we just had some time to unwind. Of course, a week is never long enough. But what really blew us away about both of those parks is that even in line, the line itself was a ride they really went above and beyond to sh- to make you feel like you're in that world and-, and bring a lot of that story that you know which is why you're going there in the first place um, and i think it's i think it was a lot of fun we did smugglers run we got to fly on the millennium falcon uh do, do a quick mission we did rise of the resistance which might have been the best star wars ride there and then we just did pretty much everything in hogwarts and there's a ton as someone who deals with food allergies i've got a dairy allergy and a gluten allergy yes it sucks yes it's challenging but i will say at both of those parks they're very accommodating so if you're anything like me or you're dealing with any kind of food allergy or anything that like prevents you from going One of the great things about what's going on in Florida with these theme parks is they are definitely making that accommodating. So if you or maybe your kids or family member are dealing with that kind of stuff, there really is a lot out there. I think Disney takes the cake, but uh, as far as the overall experience and the availability of allergy-friendly foods, that was a big win. And that's huge for me because usually I'll have to go shopping and make a whole other trip. Just so that I can have food, I'll need a place with a kitchen so that I can cook it. It's part of the process at this point, but it was a great trip. Um, as far as rocket launches, there was really only supposed to be one rocket launch when I left the week before for Florida. It was going to be the Crew 8 launch on Friday night around midnight, but unfortunately, weather pushed that back uh, after the stat successful static fire test. And that basically that was that was rough. Scrubs suck. You know, I always will will remind people past Alex even reminded myself that scrubs happen and that it it's very possible that it was going to scrub, but they hurt nonetheless. And the other thing is, you know, you have to have a flexible schedule if you're going to Florida or anywhere else where there are rocket launches. I think Florida is taking the cake for the frequency of launches. We went from one potential launch to three launches that week because SpaceX is just primed and at the ready to get something on the pad. It was cool to see the crew eight astronauts come to Florida and watch the live streams as things were happening. That was a lot of fun. And even though I wasn't physically there in person, just being in Florida, and watching that live stream knowing that, you know, a certain miles away, those astronauts were there and getting prepared and all the teams involved all the hundreds of 1000s of people involved in sending humans into space. uh, It was really, really great. It's Uh, March 2nd here as we're recording Uh, tonight, if things go according to plan, Crew Eight will be launching uh, as of right now. But uh, we wish them all the luck. Uh, They SpaceX squeezed in two, I believe it was Starlink launches or at least two Falcon 9 launches. Um, You know, and it's just it's hard to uh, get to a launch when you've got other things planned and working around it. It is what it is. I've been very unlucky for Florida launches. The last time I was in Florida two years ago was the Artemis one flight. And I missed two scrubs, I missed two launch attempts, uh, essentially for the difficulty of liquid hydrogen and the leaking that was involved. And basically everything that NASA needed to do to get that rock that SLS rocket, the Space Launch System on the pad for the first time fully integrated. And I missed out, but it is what it is and uh we look forward to seeing more launches and more opportunities in the future to go to Florida. You know, right now, uh as someone in Massachusetts experiencing 70 plus degree weather with clear skies when I'm going to be back in Boston shortly. To thirties, maybe a high of fifty this week, but uh yeah, I very much enjoy the vacation i as someone that does uh i guess you could say metaphorically burn the candle at all three ends uh with our three d printing business, our space communication podcast today in space, and my day job, not to mention just being a human being with uh friends and family. It's really nice to take a break and to be able to pull away from it. I am not the best at it, especially unwinding to actually be able to enjoy myself, but I'm getting better at it. And I'm very happy that we were able to enjoy some Florida weather and looking forward to the next one. All right, folks, let's take a quick break to talk about our favorite productivity shot from Magic Mind. Now, for us, we're putting out content on a weekly basis, we're putting out we're doing a lot of creative work in the science field. And sometimes it's tough. You know, we work, I work a full-time engineering job and then I do this. Uh, this is my, uh, my, my nighttime activity is, is the space podcast. And then we also have a 3d printing lab. And a lot of people ask, how do you get all this done? How do you have the energy to, and time to get all this stuff down? And it really, it's, it's not, we're, we're not breaking the laws of physics here. It is truly an act of balance and f- making the best out of the time that I do have available for this. And one of the ways that helps us take advantage of the, the small amount of time that we do have is magic mind. And, you know, for a long time, I was gathering a whole bunch of different supplements together, buying a bunch of different things from a bunch of different companies to basically do the exact same thing that Magic Mind was doing. So when we found out about Magic Mind, we tried it out. We had this opportunity to have a partnership with them, and we love it. Magic Mind is a productivity shot. You can check out magicmind.com slash learn, discover everything that's in there, but it's this amazing blend of ingredients. It's not like a Red Bull. It's not like you don't have a crash. It's about getting clean, healthy energy throughout the whole day without the crashes. And Magic Man really has been that and and I'm definitely looking forward to when I get back to Massachusetts after our vacation in Florida to getting back on the regimen. Um, but one of the great things is like you not only do you not have the crash during the day, but I had zero ill effects about Taking a short break off of Magic Mind for this week because I don't really need to make use of the creative sense, although this podcast we're obviously doing. But Magic Mind is going to be there for me when I get back and I'm going to be able to jump right back in. I'm on the 30 day supply, so I've got the subscription. Uh, if you use today in space 20, it's our code, you can get 20% off any single item we're up to 56% off a subscription. And you know, for us we're taking this every single day to make advantage of that, to not only do well in my day job and to be productive and creative, but also it helps me take advantage of those times after work, after I've already exerted all that energy. Magic mind helps me do that. So head to magicmind.com slash today in space. Use the code today in space 20. You can get 20% off one item or up to 56% off your subscription. We highly recommend it, especially if you're doing anything creative. If you're looking to get into a flow state or just have healthier energy throughout the day, we cannot recommend it enough. Magicmind.com slash today in space. Use the code today in space 20 and that's it. Let's get back to the show. And this week I just wanted to share a little bit about my trip, but also about this cool thing that I am learning with this podcast. It's one of the beautiful things about this podcast. It's it's both a creative outlet, a learning outlet, and, you know, a technical outlet for me, I get to stay up on uh, what I went to school for aerospace engineering. And it allows me to help communicate and spread the word about everything that's going on in space. It's your place for all things space. If you haven't already, please subscribe, like, you know, do all the stuff, spread the word, send it to your friends, your other fellow space nerds, space enthusiasts, or people who just have a fleeting interest in space. We're here to to scoop you up and give you everything that's going on in the industry, at least that we're able to, um, and rue it down into a really simple and slightly different way than maybe you're used to hearing space content. Um, We're trying to make it accessible to as many people as possible, but just breaking it down to its simplest parts, communicating complex ideas in the simplest of ways. And as Einstein said, but no simpler. That's our goal, at least. And in that vein, we are now over a year of having our new telescope, the Vespera from Veonis. And it's a smart telescope. It's a really unique tool for someone like myself who's looking to take out the telescope at any time. Uh, I have to deal in Boston and New England with very sporadic weather, so clear nights are a rarity, so you've got to be ready to go. I didn't want to tinker with anything or have a telescope that I'd have to fully set up each time. The Vespera from Vaonis is a really simple thing. I know I put it in the same spot every time outside, if it's cold out, if it's buggy out, I can just put it out there and enjoy inside while I'm controlling the telescope. It uses a star tracker and GPS to know where it is and to follow the stars as the night goes through. I can even plan my whole night if I'm really up for it. But it helps me capture the night sky and astrophotography very quickly, very simply, and very rapidly. We wanted something that would help us enable our goal of of really putting out space content and science content every day, today in space, right? Every single day. Um, And after a year of using it, it really has changed so much. And one of the great things, because this podcast exists because I am a lifelong learner and just because I couldn't find a job in aerospace when I first graduated, it didn't mean that I didn't have to stay in touch with with space and, and just the industry in general. And that's one of the beautiful things about podcasts and the internet. There's so much that you can learn. And one thing we never will or we will try to never do is pretend like we know everything. We live on the line that As a scientist, as new information and new data comes to us that shows us that our old beliefs are not correct, we take in that data, we take in that experiment and we test it and we see if it's true. And if what we knew before is wrong, we go and learn more about why the new data explains why something new is true, or at least has data to back up why we should change our mind on that. And that means being a lifelong learner. That means being okay with saying I don't know, let's learn more. But more importantly, what this podcast allows me to do is really take a topic, learn it for the first time. And then I have to take the next step, which helps me learn it even more, but to explain it in a more simple way, than maybe it was introduced to me, or at least in a way that makes a little bit more sense to me. And that's easy for me to communicate here in the podcast. So For us, this telescope has allowed us to share pictures of space with so many different people, um, whether it's people that I work with, people um, that I'm friends with, that I see throughout the week. I'm always sharing as many space photos as I can, astro pics. And one of the things that I've learned about doing that is, number one, about astronomy, right? I've, I've learned so much more about optics and just like the application of a telescope and what gathering light from outer space to take a picture and then post process it use a little photoshop to pull out the data that you're getting in every single picture and i've learned a lot about that and one of the things i've learned as feedback from folks that i've shared this with people who are really Just used to seeing James Webb Space Telescope and Hubble Telescope pictures, one thing has stuck out more than anything else, and it is this thing about our telescope and how it's very good at taking pictures of nebulas and like star clusters. But for galaxies, they always come up, you know, despite maybe the Whirlpool Galaxy and Andromeda Galaxy. It really makes it seem like the galaxies, even though you know in your head, as a human being, galaxies are huge, right? Nebulas are just stars and dust, are, are just dust and gas and from a star that has gone supernova. And galaxies are filled with dust and gas and stars and planets and dark energy and matter and the stuff that we can calculate as invisible inside of a galaxy that would make the mass of it be what it is. I'm sorry, I'm rambling here. But why in our telescope are the galaxies so small even though they are so large in comparison to nebulas and we can get these great scape, uh, picture scapes, uh, landscape pictures, uh, just detailed imagery of this space dust and gas but the galaxies look so tiny, and they're so hard to picture. And at first, you know, like we were saying, the obvious thing is to say, oh, well, you know, galaxies are so much bigger. But when when you're looking at it, you're like, well, you know, a nebula is 10 to 1,000 light years across. A galaxy is anywhere from 10,000 to 100,000 or more light years across. So why do they look so so small? And and really, what it is that we're experiencing is twofold. One, our Vespera telescope has a 50 millimeter aperture and a 200 millimeter focal length. That is really great for nebulas and star clusters. And it's able to capture something at that you know, 10 to 1000 light years away. But as you start going to the galactic level, you know, our closest, closest spiral galaxy is the Andromeda galaxy. And we've taken a picture of that, it really takes up the whole viewing window of our telescope. And that is 2.5 million light years away. And it's really hard to understand how far away that is. And when we look at, you know, the next closest galaxy, which is the, the actually the closest galaxy, um, it is a dwarf galaxy from Canis Major. And that is located 25,000 light years away, which makes it that that's just from our solar system, right? And it's 42,000 light years from the center of the Milky Way galaxy. And the reason why those galaxies look so small when they are so much larger than the nebulas, which we seem to be able to get great pictures of, like the Orion Nebula, the California Nebula, there you are just seeing the massive scale of the universe and just a a taste of how massive infinity really is, where these gigantic galaxies... Look like tiny dots from from far far away, and our Vespera telescope does its best to keep up with these distant gigantic objects in this in the night sky. But that's why you're you're just seeing the literal scale of the universe, folks. And that's it. Those that's my thought from this week. A little bit of something that I've learned in in the past here, in the past year with using our telescope and it's made me a better science communicator it's made me i think a better scientist and really helps me keep my mind open to how massive the universe and infinity really is uh because it can get you can get caught up in uh as as an eng- I, I i can only speak about this from an engineer's perspective that I think there's a lot of engineers out there, especially in the industry. If you're a professional engineer, you work as an engineer during the day, or you work with engineers, there is a, there is a certain way of, of speaking. It's, it's almost like an absolutes uh, that engineers will do. And part of it is just because of the nature of the job and how technical it is. But I think it's really important for all of us to remember that engineers are just people and they can make mistakes and they also don't know everything and if there's one thing that this podcast can do in however long we're able to do this podcast is just to provide that example that it's actually okay and scientific to say I don't know and to learn new things and to be open to new data that contradicts what was previously believed Um, and a big shout out to Avi Loeb for really you know we were able to interview him over the pandemic uh, first with his after the discovery of Oumuamua and his take on what Oumuamua could be as the first interstellar object in that we've ever seen in our solar system and then obviously afterwards with his discovery of the first interstellar object uh, that's come into our solar system that has left uh, impacted Earth and has left spherules of, of that debris. It's been confirmed by the the research they've put out and is being tested by more and more research centers around the world to verify it, that in fact, what was found was an object from another solar system because it just has the markings of a different star. With a different makeup. And I think Avi for pushing the boundaries of that instead of what was a very mainstream scientific medium and discussion that was, oh, well, this is just a comet or this is just, uh, you know, don't worry about this thing. Yes, it's cool. We have an interstellar object coming in. Isn't that awesome? But we've got other things we've got to look at it's always good to have eyes on the sky and now thanks to Avi, I have a telescope that allows me to do that and pull that out anytime. Uh, you know, our, one of our favorite discoveries over the last year with this telescope has been the discovery of that supernova that happened in the Whirlpool galaxy. We had initially, you know, by luck, by chance, when we first got the telescope in February, it was a cold winter and Luckily, we had a lot of clear skies, and the Whirlpool Galaxy just happened to be above us. So we had taken some images of that. Months later, we found out that an astronomer had found that a supernova had had occurred in the Whirlpool Galaxy. And so that same night that we discovered that, we pulled out our telescope and took a picture and then compared the two images. And we could see it. We could see the supernova happening in that galaxy far far away and that has been some of the most exciting and fun scientific work it's not even work it's just fun and discovery and while we didn't discover the supernova we were able to share that with you and 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 with the internet and the people out there just to show you what's going on in space all the time and so Big thanks to Avi Loeb, big thanks to our friend over at Bastronomy for just sharing their enthusiasm and interest in space and astrophysics and to everyone that we get to share these pictures with and that you show your interest. And if you like what we're doing, folks, thank you so much. If you're still at the end of this podcast, you are a trooper. We appreciate you. And we hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll be back in Boston in no time. Wish us luck. And we wish you the best on the rest of your week. This has been Today in Space. As always, I am your Space Science podcast host from the East Coast, Alex G. Orfanos. And we wish you a great rest of your week. Spread love and spread science. We'll see you on the next episode.